Blog Talk Radio. BenSound.com. Welcome, everyone, to today's Earth Energy Forecast Show on this Tuesday, February 11th, 2020. Thank you for listening today, or if you're listening later to the podcast. I am your host, Joan Serio. Well, uh, today um, I am going to welcome someone that is just perfect for this show, and If you like what you hear on Earth Energy Forecast, I encourage you to click the follow button so you'll be notified every time we go live. So today, Pepper Lewis, who is going to be joining us soon, has been working with the Earth and as a spokesperson for Gaia and for all of her inhabitants for quite some time. Pepper Lewis, beloved by many, is often called a wise woman of the Earth. Pepper is the author of five books, dozens of media programs, and a rich legacy of work in the field of personal development. She is widely recognized for her contribution to the redefinition of contemporary spiritual life. Her wisdom is refreshing, accessible, and relevant. Pepper's website is pepperkeenlewis.com. Welcome to the show, Pepper. I'm so pleased to have you with us today. Hi, Joan. Thanks so much for having me. I was been looking forward to this for, I don't know, for since since we booked it, since we booked our time together. I've been looking really forward to this. Well, that makes two of us, and I'm so glad to have you on the show because, like, this show is just made for people like you. You know, there's so much information. <laughs> I know we're going to get out there today, and and I love just going back and forth with people that love the earth as much as I do. And I just want to, before we get going, open this up to everybody on the air today that we're going to take some callers. Is that true, Pepper? Yes, it's true. Okay, so if you would like to ask Pepper a question, all you have to do is call 657-383-0013, and I will endeavor to get you on the air so that you can ask your question. So... There's so much going on right now, Pepper, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I just, I just, um, I just heard you say, you know, that this show is that we're perfect for this show and for people who who love the earth as much as you do. And I thought for a minute, this, this for a lot of people, this is a really, it's a tough time to love the earth right now. You know, it's not the mm-hmm. easiest time to either be in love with the earth or fall in love with the earth for. For the first time, uh, it's not easy these days. No, no. And this is the time when she needs our love more than ever. Yes, that's absolutely true. And isn't that the case like with um, 
oh, I don't know, with our wayward teenagers when we were raising kids or anything like that. You know, it just seems like right when someone needs our love more than ever, it's not always the easiest time for us to mm-hmm. to offer that. Exactly. Yes. And it seems like things are accelerated right now, too. Are we keeping up with how quickly the earth seems to be changing now? So um, I think that there is a part of us, if without dissecting ourselves, I think that there, the, the part of us that is whole and always has been, the part of us that is connected to the earth and, and um, to this great cycle of things and cycle of change, I think that part of us is keeping pace. But the part of us that is very, 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 very human, um, understandably so, the part of us that uh, is, is, uh, is necessarily tied to using resources that are exploited in some ways, and yet we need them, and the part of us that can't quite see beyond that, those parts are not keeping pace, I think. Yes. Yes, yes, and it's it's interesting that you put it that way, um, because for me, it feels like I am, as Greg Braden put it, walking between the worlds right now, and there's yeah. a part of me that's in the old, you know, or the part of me that's in the physical body in this 3D reality, and a part of me that's not here, that mm-hmm. is, you know... Um, the the consciousness is raising. We're going to these other dimensions, these other levels of consciousness, and it's it's this tightrope walk. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other night, I watched uh, a documentary called I think it's called Surviving Progress, and and that's really what it was about. How do we survive? Hmm. You know these amazing strides that we've made. Yeah, these amazing strides that we have made in agriculture, in getting some of the resources out of the planet and making them usable. And, of course, you know, the other side of that is the exploitation of other, of other countries, the um, needless to say, you know, the greed and where that comes from, you know, corp- corporate greed and, and financial returns and things like that. So, and it was one of those documentaries where they interview um, economists and, and um, 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 you know, financial experts, different things like that. And I can't say that it was bleak, <laughs> but it wasn't necessarily positive in, in that. And, and that's the problem with these things right now is where are the solutions? I think we can all mm-hmm. pinpoint mm-hmm. where where the problems are, and for some people, who the problems are, but it's very difficult to move from there on to, okay, where are these real um, solutions now? And and the thing is that they don't necessarily lie by fixing the problems we have now. The solutions might be by creating entirely different systems, and that's where we hit these walls because the people with the ability to create new systems are also those that are in some ways still benefiting, profiting from the old systems. And so it's yes. really hard to let that go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or 
still trying to solve the problem, and I'll put solve in quotation marks, with the same mind that created it instead of, as mm-hmm. Einstein said, you know, you have to come from a different perspective in order to yeah. solve the problem. And and mm-hmm. kind of like we were talking about walking that tightrope, you know, there's those that are still, uh, I will just make it easy, uh, in the old, and there's, you know, and those that are in the new, and there's those that are in between. And, um, you know, if we keep going back to what was, while we're being certainly forced to go to what is becoming, it's not going to mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to manifest. Yeah. So there, you talked about this shift that we're going through, and I was going to ask this towards the end, but let's do it now. So mm-hmm. um, what do you see as the cause for all of this change that we're going through? What's creating all of this? Well, um, you know, honestly, the answer I have may be somewhat of a, of a metaphysical answer. Uh, in some ways, to some extent, I would say that some of these changes are inevitable. Some of this, this is what, this is what evolution looks like. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're building and creating and making all this. And then when we've built and created and admired and lived with, when it begins to outlive its usefulness, uh, its practicality, its, its ability to evolve, then it begins to break down. And we could be talking about our bodies, so the aging process. We cannot stay youthful forever. And, you know, much as we might not like that and fight against it, eventually, whether it's a a tree or vegetables, I grow vegetables every year, and at a certain point you can tell when they have reached their maturity, and from there it begins to break down. And the same Uh is true uh of systems. And so now is one of those times where all most, some of our systems are showing real signs of wear and tear and beginning to break down a little bit, so or a lot. So this is nature. This is nature in evidence to us. This is what we are witnessing right now. And so we are witnessing the breakdown of whether it's government systems, social systems, educational systems, agricultural, it doesn't really matter so much in what direction we're looking at. Some of them are more accelerated than others. So this is nature at work where this is the the breakdown of things. And because we live in the microcosm much of the time, we're not looking at the bigger picture. We're looking at what's happening. This is happening to me. This is happening to us. This is happening to our family. So it's hard to see the bigger picture that this is how nature evolves and that something else will come of it. So that's part of the answer. Um, if you are one who studies really large metaphysical events and esoteric changes, you would really see that, that um, some of these things we talk about where the Piscean age begins to end and the Aquarian age begins to come forward, you would see this at work as well. So in, in um, Pisces was very... Uh, associated with religion, with following rules, with a deeper meaning of things, with, um, uh, I don't know, I'll have to think about more, it'll come to me. Uh, Aquarius, more associated with science, not religion, but science, um, mm-hmm. with technology, with, um, with a different way to use 
resources. It's very mental. Pisces is more emotional. So right now, we're kind of caught up or in between these two great forces. And it's moving toward Aquarius. This is what the procession of the equinoxes looks like. And so we are living through this now. So rather than kind of looking at it in a book and looking up our, our, you know, our birth date and our birth sign and looking up our horoscope for, for the month or, or the year, we are in the midst of this great, great periodic change. And it's hard to both live in it and look at it objectively. Yes. So looking at it through the eyes of an evolutionary astrologer to, to look at the larger cycles that are happening. And, you know, some say that when Saturn goes into Aquarius, which is going to happen later this year, and then it, and then it will retrograde back, uh, I think September will be there from March to September, and then it retrogrades back into Capricorn. Uh, but then next year will go. Uh, that that's really when we enter into this Aquarian age. And like you said, we are going back and forth just because of this retrograde period. Like we dip our toe into this and then mm-hmm. we're back into this old again to say, okay, what did that feel like? You know, do you, was it too cold? Do you want to, you know, do you really want to jump into yeah. the pool? Yeah. And we see this with a polarity of people right now, the polarity between our countries and governments. We see this with the struggle between um, religion and science kind of pulling and tugging at each other in, in a kind of an antagonistic way. So, you know, if we were looking at this like this great mythological story, we would see kind of like the heavens at war with one another, with eventually one sign and everything that it symbolizes winning that war and and uh, and being in, in charge of some of the, the influences of the earth for, for that next really large period of time, which is, um, you know, about 26,000 years, as we know, mm-hmm. give or, give or right. take, depending on what system that you follow. And then during mm-hmm. those, those years, there are different phases in which uh, Aquarius this time will manifest itself as well. So a certain number of, of time when it's very, very rigid. These are the rules. These are the laws. And this is the way it must be. And and then a loosening of that and tightening. And so you see the sign itself manifesting different qualities um, during this great long period of, of time. So you could say in some ways that we're so fortunate to be here on the earth right now as both participants and witnesses of this. And on the other hand, it's really uncomfortable and it's really hard and, and we don't really have to like it, certainly not from the human perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and also uh, Aquarius is about humanity, you know, and it's about being that humanitarian and seeing that we're all one. So if we can use the science, use the technology or see things uh, not only from a spiritual perspective, but from a scientific perspective and work towards that, you know, all is one principle that maybe we can advance mm-hmm. too. That, you know, I love the sound of that. And when I'm in my meditations and when I'm in my own uh, quiet belief structures, I am there. I am with the, we are all one. 
when I go out into the world, I don't always feel that way. <laughs> and <it's laughs> well, always... <laughs> there is the challenge. <laughs> I'm like, you know, sometimes I have this great meditative yeah. morning, and I'm with my spiritual uh-huh. readings and writings, and I'm so proud of myself. And I'm like, look, I've transcended this, and I've transcended that. And sometimes it doesn't take but five to 20 minutes when I'm out in the world. and like, what happened? <laughs> What happened to this great space that I was in? You know, why did that person cut me off? Or, you know, why did this person charge me, you know, twice instead of once? Or all all of these things, you uh-huh. know. And then, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then it's not, it's very quickly not, not so, um, not so easy. So, you know, sometimes I get on my soapbox with, um, about spiritual teachers that do make it look, very easy, you know, just meditate, just say it's all, just say we are all one and it'll be that, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. just do this or just do that. It's like, you know, these, you know, it's easy to say those things. Like it's real easy to say, let's, let's go on a diet and we'll just lose whatever 20 pounds and, you know, this month or whatever. And it just doesn't work that way, even though we would like it to. Yes. It, it's hard to put into practice. And, you know, I like to think that, the challenges that are, and I call them challenges <laughs> when, I am, when I am challenged too, uh, are there to help me to grow. And so I'm like, okay, so how could I have done that better? <laughs> what is that teaching mm-hmm. me in, to turn mm-hmm. it into a learning type of thing and, and, and to be gentle as much as I can with myself? Because mm-hmm. I know for myself, I can get into that self-talk that's, you know, can be pretty harsh at times um, mm-hmm. and, and to remember that it's about self-love and we're all here to learn and we're all human and we're all going through a lot. And, you know, when I think, gee, you were hard on that person, you know, they're going through this as much as you are. And then I stop mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then the compassion mm-hmm. kicks back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great reminder. So what else can we do right now? Besides, you know, stopping and, and thinking, okay, how could I have done that better? Um, you know, being gentle with ourselves to, to help us through these very challenging times. Well, um, I think what we can do somewhat depends upon what kind of person we are, how we are, um, how we are arranged, let's say. So if we are someone who is quick to anger, uh, particularly about the things we see in the world right now, injustices and and things like that, then it is better um, that we limit our time with either uh, all those ways that we can remain informed all the time right now. You know, banners and notifications on our on our phones and on our computers. You know, if we are going to be very strongly affected by these things then it is better to stay informed uh, in times when we choose to and not times when these automatic things are are happening for us. If we are someone who is more um, happily about being an activist in the world, and I think that there are many opportunities to become involved and and that doesn't necessarily mean with our with our pocketbook or or giving money or or volunteering which some people are too busy to do but there are ways to remain actively interested using our intent within certain subjects that we are aware 
of awareness, as silly as that sounds, in these specific mm-hmm. subjects, and that we are in some way wanting to be responsible for those particular areas of life to change or to move forward or to get out of their stuck place or wherever it is. Because a lot of the people that I talk to, for instance, say, oh, I would love to help, or I would love to become involved in this or that, but I don't have the time or I don't have the resources to to share. And sometimes we can do so much with just our intent because we don't really realize that that links us not only to the subject but to others who might feel that way. And when we work with intent, sometimes I think we forget that we – Intent works a little bit like our, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like our subconscious works, uh, subconscious, unconscious, and these particular areas don't work with um, negativity. So they don't work by saying, I don't want that to happen. They work by saying, this is the, a positive direction for our earth, for our planet, and I strongly support, um, let's say, the uh, humanitarian effort in regard to um, animal husbandry or whatever. I'm just picking something here. So it, it works that way. It works intention moves as we move things up and out from the inner plane. And it just doesn't work when we say, I don't want this and I don't want that. And, and it doesn't work. It just kind of gets bypassed or lost within within the system. Mm-hmm. So those mm-hmm. are just a, a few suggestions to um, to start with. And and I think one of the things that we can do as well is simply and yes, being gentle with ourselves by not blaming ourselves for the condition of the planet. And if we don't blame ourselves, then then we also have to not blame others which is sometimes harder to do. Um, It's hard not to look at leadership and not say it's your fault and this would not have happened without your, your leadership or your corporate greed or your, um, you know, snagging extra resources from third world countries or something like that, because those things also will not promote our, our true intention. So uh, what you're saying uh, earlier is that what we can do is change our focus, uh, the collective consciousness. If we change our focus from all of this is awful, uh, things are falling apart, to this is, this is a natural cycle, and we're at a point where we can create anew. Yeah. Um, yeah. That can shift things quite a bit, Correct. Yes, exactly. To the degree, uh-huh. you know, to the degree that we can do that. And to say that, yes, you know, it's not a deniability thing. It's not saying, oh, it, this isn't really happening. This isn't really awful. Oh, no. But it's no. to see that it's happening on one on one level. Yes, on this level mm-hmm. it's breaking mm-hmm. down. On, on another level, which may be invisible to us, still most likely is, we do not yet see what benefit or what other uh, cycles or things are being created that are not here and now yet because we're still in the, the breaking down cycle. Yes. And those parts yes. are natural. Our food has to break down in our body for our body to be able to use it, turn it into energy and use it. So we have to remind ourselves of these examples. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the word cycle and to really focus on that, too, because it's a cycle. And so it's a circle and it doesn't end. Mm-hmm. It looks like things are ending, but it's just the way uh, the energy flows. And after that chaos and the destruction comes creation. Yeah. Right. So we you know, are we are at that time. Me, um, when you said, sorry to interrupt you, when you said mythology, there's this um, there's a story, and I've actually been meaning to copy it out of one of the books that I have because I like their version of it, and and uh, and put it put it out there. So uh, I will. If you happen to be in touch with me, you'll see it from me soon. Now that you've reminded me of that. So the basic the basic story. It's a it's a creation creation uncreation kind of a myth story, and it goes something something like this. There's a there's an old woman in a cave and she's the one responsible for all of creation. So this is a really beautiful story and I'm going to just paraphrase it here really shortly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's making this beautiful weaving as she's on, she's sitting on the floor in this cave, making this beautiful weaving of threads and beads and shells and all these beautiful things that's making creation happen, making this incredible garment of, of creation. Then she has to feed herself. So at a certain point, she has to get up, put the weaving down, and go and stir this pot of, of uh, food. And the food represents the resources and things that also have to be stirred up and moved and like soil or turned over. But in this, in this creation story, it's a big pot of, of soup that has to be stirred. So she gets up from her weaving to go stir this incredible um, pot so that it will keep simmering and cooking. And then while she's doing that, she has a, uh, a pet, a black, a big black dog that is her companion. And so while she's stirring the soup, this big black dog goes to the weaving and starts to unmake all of this weaving. Um, all the threads coming out, all the shells, and all the beautiful gemstones and things that she wove into this. And of course, that represents the the coming undone, right? Of, mm-hmm. of these different mm-hmm. cycles. And so she finishes stirring the pot, and she goes back to the weaving and sees what has been done. And of course, what is there to do but to begin again? Yeah. And so she begins again this beautiful weaving and this beautiful new pattern, new way mm-hmm. of doing mm-hmm. things. And then the story mm-hmm. goes on. And, 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 of course, I've told it in a very short way, not to take up all your, all your time today. But that it, it represents these great cycles. And you can see how inevitable it is. She has to make the weaving for creation to go on. She mm-hmm. has to stir mm-hmm. the pot for the resources to continue. And yet, you know, this is what happens. Yeah, it's just the cycle of energy. It's just how energy goes. And mm-hmm. and as long as we understand that it is a circle, it is a cycle, and that we are recreating anew, and, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's really important for us. And, you know, as you are saying earlier about the focus uh, and the language, too, to say, oh, I don't like that, but rather to change it, change the focus and change the language to this is what I'm choosing. Because the universe mm-hmm. is just a big mirror, and it's going to reflect mm-hmm. back to you exactly what you you know put out there. Yeah. So to remind yeah. ourselves, like, oh, okay, yeah. that's what I'm putting out, and it really feels now, and maybe maybe you felt this too, Pepper. I don't know, but I think we're manifesting a lot faster now 
than we were. Um, we went through a gateway here, and I really was like, okay, Joan, catch yourself, you know, because what you put out <laughs> is really going to come back quickly now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems so odd to say that because there's still 24 hours in a day. And, you know, we break up our day by, you know, hours and whatever we do. But somehow it seems like the day has gone by uh, too fast, the hours of the day, um, whatever activities were associated with it. And so somehow, yes, I think that that time, um, and there are theories that say that time is not a, a, a constant, that time evolves as, as we do. We are the creators of time after all, and then we entered time, as some of the other myths tell us as well. So the fact that we can also accelerate time and maybe not remember that we were going to do that also um, makes sense in, um, in a certain way. Uh, another another thing tells us that, you know, just as you said, we're, we're in these great cycles, circles, or spirals of time. And long, long ago, we understood that. We understood and we measure time by these great and profound cycles. But when we came up with different calendars and other measures, and when we started counting and writing our histories, we also began to measure time in this linear way. So, you know, we went from measuring time or history from point A to point B. And mm -hmm. when time became linear that way, instead of circular, instead of these great cycles, then I think we fell into this way of accelerating things as well. Because we're trying very hard to get to point B, wherever point B is. So it's like a, a race where circular time is not like that. And I think that may have contributed to some of this uh, breakdown of time or, or these accelerated principles as well. Or maybe we're just in a hurry to get to this, you know, Aquarian time that we can feel its its nearness, its proximity. So we are um, rushing ourselves forward as well. Yeah, um, I remember Ian Lungold said um, one of the students of the Mayan calendar, and he said that you know it feels like time is speeding up, but actually it's creation that will be speeding up now, and that's what the Mayan had predicted and it just it feels like um the spinning of the spiral you know have as you you move down uh let's say uh like like a vortex like a, a tornado you start at the top and it's spinning down and down and it gets faster as you get down towards the apex of it and it feels like that's where yeah. we're going because that's like if you can imagine, I do a lot of scientific stuff, so if you can imagine, um, well, let's, let's imagine an hourglass shape, okay? And so you're coming, and these could be the two jets out of, out of like, like a black hole, but as you're coming down, you know, it's moving faster, and then you get to that one point of stillness before it goes into that next cycle, and that's really quick, too. And and that's what it feels like to me. Like we're in the bottom of the, you know, <laughs> part of the top of the hourglass, whatever. Like it's moving really, really fast now. Um, well, what do you think then? So let's say, as you say, so we, we move and shape time to go very quickly. And then what happens when we get to that point? And then beyond it, do things slow down again? 
or does it really yeah, yeah it will it will yeah it feels like we're at when we get to that point it's like the zero point of stillness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that place mm-hmm. of pure potential where we're mm-hmm. suspended <laughs> quote unquote in time right. <laughs> and then yeah. oh and then once we realize oh we're on the other side oh look at all like like the story that you said that the woman that was weaving and she looked down and she saw all those gems and they're like, wow, I can put them together this way. And then mm-hmm. you get that enthusiasm and then in creation really starts to flow quickly again. And then it, yeah. then it slows, slows, slows. And then you go through the cycle all over again. And actually that's the shape of the Taurus. And that's what happens. You go spinning back around and you come back down and around and that's the flow of the universe, that's the flow of the energy. So that's that's what mm-hmm. I see in, in an analogy yeah. to all of this. Mm-hmm. Right. So will we? Do you think that we will be conscious enough to to recognize mm-hmm. that if we can now recognize mm-hmm. that we are in this accelerated place? Will we also recognize when we do get to that point or to the other side of that point? Will we will we know it consciously? It depends on what happens during that point, <laughs> um, because that point could be, as we're talking about these cycles, there's also what's happening about every 12,000 years, uh, mm-hmm. we go through this pole shift, this geomagnetic pole mm-hmm. shift of the Earth, mm-hmm. and we're going right. through it now. Scientists know that. We see that the electromagnetic field of the Earth is, is dwindling, mm-hmm. and so when mm-hmm. that happens... Um, they they say, and this has been told through the indigenous, obviously we as a human race have survived this before, and these stories have been passed down actually in these petroglyphs, which is quite interesting, um, of what had happened. And so um, they say that there could be a time of this, you know, kind of like that zero point where there could be several days of darkness. Mm-hmm. And and like, you know, nothing happens and you go into that, that null zone and not to be afraid, you know, just to stay mm-hmm. in that place. I mean, that's been been taught by other teachers. Uh, so I don't know. I think it depends on what happens. So if we go there, you know, I'm sure that it depends on where you are in your own spiral of evolution, uh, whether you do go into the fear or whether you say, OK, I'm at the zero point, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, like, OK, this yeah. is. This mm-hmm. is this is the blank rune. This is the womb. This is the place mm-hmm. of pure potential. Uh, we're we're changing. You know, this is what's mm-hmm. been foretold, and so that's I feel why it's important to get this information out so people. Okay, if it does mm-hmm. happen that way, who knows? But if it does, mm-hmm. then maybe people can be like, okay, that's that's where we are now. Um, yeah. So I and I really feel it it it's it dependent too on on where the collective consciousness is because we all are connected and feeding into that. Mm-hmm. What do yes, you what do you think, Pepper? <laughs> uh, what do I think? Um, I believe we we are moving to or through threading the eye of the needle. I guess is a good way to to put it. Mm-hmm. We're threading the eye of that of that. Um, of the of the needle uh, as far as 
uh, not only the earth, but the entire human species is concerned. And so this way we have to make ourselves part of the earth, not separate ourselves from it. Not we humans are in charge of the earth and her resources. We need to see ourselves as the plants and the animals and just another, another kingdom of the earth that happens to be more aware of itself, more conscious of some of these things and and that is our gift as as um as humans is, is consciousness so the mm-hmm. more conscious we can remain as we as we move through and into those places the collective consciousness as as um as you call it the more aware that we can be and i believe that we will keep we will hold that awareness we don't necessarily have to lose it I think where we have to be most careful is not to fall into the collective unconscious, which is Mm -hmm. mostly to be, you know, so much thinking that it's about here and about now and about mine versus yours and whatever it is, my religion versus yours, my belief system versus yours, my backyard versus your backyard, that kind of thing, because I think we will all, there's so much more to be lost than, than gained in that. You know, in terms of, you know, thinking of three days of darkness or something, I I don't know um, if we will see that or feel that physically or if that is more of a of a manifestation of more what will happen within us. Um, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And and I would I would like to I would like to think that I will be as conscious as possible when these major things manifest. And yet sometimes I get into my own fear about it. You know, I, I'm not always that great adventurous person. You know, I stay away from roller coasters, which don't <laughs> seem that safe uh-huh. to me. You know, and, and many years ago when I went through a, a great and powerful earthquake in Los Angeles, I forgot everything that I had ever learned about spirituality or about anything else. I was terrified. I was terrified Mm -hmm. for myself and Mm -hmm. my children, for my life, for for what was going to happen next. You know, when the ground beneath your feet becomes that unstable, um, you you just forget who or what to trust. And parts of ourselves are just missing in in those moments and so if if that's how i felt during a really big earthquake i have to ask myself how will i feel you know if something else great and powerful that affects the whole planet and if i feel that way you know and thousands or millions of other people feel that way what will happen you know and and uh, and yet i do believe that these things will happen because we are due or overdue for these 11, 11 12,000 year cycles. We're, we're there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're all in it together. You know, it's, yes. it's a time mm-hmm. where if, if nothing else, it hopefully will bring us all together because <laughs> <laughs> if well, it doesn't do it, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> No, you know, will, and, and to, be, to be together and really help each you. other. That yeah. yeah, when when I did go through that earthquake experience, I met neighbors who I had never met before, and you know we had darkness mm-hmm. for more than three days, 
And so refrigerators were out and everything, and so we shared our food. We got together and ate things according to what would perish, you know, first the perishables, the things that needed to be frozen. You know, we shared responsibilities watching kids, um, tracking down lost dogs, and so we became a real neighborhood, a real community. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I, I have hope, and, and I would hope that these things would happen for all of us as well and that we will rediscover some of these things that we have lost in our in our quest to be individuals that we have right now. Mhm. Yes. You also talked about, you know, uh, connecting with the earth and, you know, with the plants and also how can we stay connected or connect with her because some people I think have become so disconnected with the earth. How can mm-hmm. we connect with the earth and 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 try to keep that connection going? Yeah, that's um Again, I think it depends on on how we are organized. I know some people stay uh, uh, here where I live connected with the earth by by really appreciating each season that we live in. If you happen to live in a in a four season kind of environment, by really paying attention to where is the position of the sun? Is it high in the sky? Is it low? in the sky to seeing the colors in our environments. I know people that uh, eat seasonally, so they will eat the things that grow in their local environments seasonally. Um, they do their best to eat eat local, as, as some people do. Um, I know other people that do the opposite. They eat things that, that we are able to purchase from countries that would not be able to support themselves Otherwise, so so these are conscious decisions that people are making. Um, again, I think it's to really be in tune with the plant kingdom. Out of all the other kingdoms, it is the plant kingdom that is sustaining us, that is giving us our ability to renew the cells in our body and to restore our health. That is where most of the discoveries of medicines um, come from, for the most part, is, is the plant mm-hmm. kingdom. And if we had to... We can do without eating animals, but we cannot do without eating plants. So it's to be as conscious as possible of the of the resources that are really given to us. They are given to us. They are not um, nature gives these things to us, even though we may have to purchase them. But they are they are a gift, and uh, we are a gift to the earth, and the earth is a gift to us. So all these things of of being in communion with with the earth and doing our best not to forget that as we as we you know study our little technology instruments and things that tell us what the weather is going to be um so that all those things are harder now people used to have to look at the sky to see where the sun was what time was it how much more time did they have in in the day and so these are our times where technology artificial light all of these things keep us in some ways separated from the earth so we need to do everything that we can to remind ourselves that we are part of the earth and everything that shows up is a gift from the earth not not easy really not easy mhm mhm yeah because a lot of young people don't know where their food comes from, especially those no. in cities. You know, they have no right. idea. Right. And they don't know where it I comes think, from, and they don't even know what it, what the plant looks like. It's, no. You know, they don't know that yeah. radishes come out of the ground and don't ground, grow on yeah. trees, uh-huh. for uh-huh. instance, you know. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel so blessed yeah. to have grown up where with a, with a vegetable garden that I know. You know, like I know what that plant is. I know what that plant is, <laughs> and I know yeah. how to to grow my own food. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. And and even in the grocery store, you know, you have to tell them, oh, that's a you know a Cubanel yeah. pepper or something. You know, they don't know what that. They don't know what the vegetables or even the fruit yeah. are. You know, and it's yeah. really sad. Yeah, and it and is. I you know, and I see now that we have a. Uh, plant-based food you know they don't call it vegetarian or vegan or you know they don't use those terms now that the 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 big term now is plant-based food and I find that interesting that you made that comment (laughs) that we really need to connect with the plants and I'm like okay maybe somebody's getting it up yes yeah now on the other side of that so to say something of the benefit of these times that we're in we now have things available to us in supermarkets you know different fruits and vegetables that we never would have had access to before mm-hmm. because these things mm-hmm. can be flown to us and made available to us um you know there are um some people that wouldn't have access to anything but say apples or something depending on where they live because their climate would not have afforded some of these things and we can go now and see yes. Uh, amazing, you know, amazing different um, uh, uh, fruits. You know, I was in in Peru uh, a couple of years ago, and they always have baskets of fruits, and they go shopping most days for some of these new things from the fruit vendor down the down the street. And they have cherimoyas, and you know, so many other kinds of beautiful colored and shaped fruits that we don't see for the most part in our supermarkets, but we can. We can go to the, some of the specialty stores and have them and, and not say that they're not available to us um, at all. So so they're here, and, and whatever we can do is to help people become either more knowledgeable, more educated, more grateful, more, um, more whatever, whatever we can do in that in that area and i suppose yes especially with with children as well if we can help you know children nurture uh, a garden or anything and to see something grow put a put a seed in the ground and watch something come out of the ground out of just a seed mm-hmm. and turn mm-hmm. into this you know giant tomato plant or or whatever it is and to watch the complete cycles of these things too when it's right, done yeah. giving fruit watch it set flower right. and then fruit and then you know you can watch the whole cycle go through is so it would be I, in my opinion of course so important for um for children and we're doing I think we're doing the best we can I'm I'm not really um a critic um, I wish things were different in some ways, but I, everyone, almost everyone I see is trying so hard in almost in whatever areas of life they're participating in. We may be just treading water, but I think that everyone is trying very, very hard to, um, to make this world a, a better, a better place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, we tend to focus on the negative and what's going wrong and what people do that's horrible. And we forget to put out there how many people are really helping and doing what's right and and contributing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I saw recently that um, putting your hands in soil can help with depression. There's something, (laughs) 
But there's something about connecting with, you know, really connecting with the soil of the earth, but also probably to being outside and, and getting, you know, the energy from the sun and all of that, too. I mean, they just say with the soil, I didn't have a chance to really look into the to the writing mm-hmm. of it. But I just find that interesting that that can shift. Well, I like the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, just think about when you were a kid, you know, wasn't it fun? <laughs> Just go put your hands in the mud or, you know, to play with with the dirt, you know, you got to play with the dirt, you know, got to be in the dirt. Kids just instinctively know that, you know, my, Mm -hmm. my uncle used to say, well, you got to eat a peck of dirt in your life, you know? (laughs) Yes. I remember that thing. I do. I remember that thing. Now I Uh actually grew up, I should say in a little tiny apartment in Hollywood, California, and I did not know what it was like to put my hands in the um, in the dirt, in the mud, because I not only did I live that way, but but um, my parents would have never allowed it. Little girls mm. don't um, don't oh. do that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't un- until um, un- until someone, uh, an indigenous person from another country, showed me a little garden when I was like 30, 30 years old, and showed me and pulled, you know. Actually, you know what? That pulled a carrot out of the ground, pulled a radish out of the ground, and said, "Now you do it," as if I was a child, you know. And I did it mm-hmm. because I didn't get a chance to do that when I was a child, and that yeah, was it. I yeah. became a gardener on that day. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I know. I'd always love uh, when harvesting potatoes because that was like, oh, you never know what you're going to find. You know, it's like yeah. opening up a gift yeah. at Christmas time or, mm-hmm. you know, or a birthday gift right. or whatever. And you don't know what you're going to yeah. find. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, so these are ways, you know, whatever. And we don't all have access to that. But I do hear more and more about uh, neighborhood gardens, community, community yes. gardens, rooftop gardens. Um, I know someone who, um, a friend of my son's, uh, created an app for for gardeners who have, you know, say too much of one thing. You know, I got too many tomatoes. What do you got too much of? And it's almost like oh, a little app where you can pinpoint where they live and, and you go and there's no money involved. You just exchange. Here, I'll give you, you got, you know, tons of oranges from your tree. I've got too many tomatoes. And you just exchange things or it tells you where the where, you know, community drop-off centers are that could use this stuff. And so no money, no anything, you know, uh-huh, let's, uh-huh, let's, move, uh-huh. let's move food around our, our neighborhood. So oh, these are beautiful. all great things that are happening. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we need to hear more of, you know, that people really mm-hmm. are using te- – that's one example of using technology that really does help people. Yeah. 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 yeah, and and I think we may as well get used to it. We may as well like it because technology it's not going it's not going away. You know, we can't say, well, I'm never going to use an iPhone or I'm never going to use a whatever because the world will leave us behind, and that's that's what will happen. We we will be in, in whatever way. No one's going to force us for the most part to do these things, but we will be left in a in another category in another place as as whatever it is evolution or technology marches on um you know there is a um we hear in a lot of the different studies and things these days of neanderthals and other other um cross 
races of, um, of beings who lived now we know uh, uh, around the same time as early humans lived and, and interbred with, with uh, early humans. And yet humans, uh, humans that we know now, modern humans, are the ones that survived and kept going and the uh, uh, Neanderthals and other beings did not. So we have to ask ourselves, why was it why was it humanity that continued to move forward as we interbred and not these other beings? So when I asked this question um, many years ago in my, in my spiritual pursuits, in my meditations, in channeling, the answer that I got was, was that these other earlier beings had lost or did not have what we have, which is the ability to imagine, the ability to dream in the way that we do, the ability to daydream, the ability to imagine something and to call it into, into being, they did not have that. They lived in a kind of a daydream and in a kind of a, a sleeping dream, but they did not have conscious imaginings. And so at a certain point, you hit an evolutionary wall because you cannot imagine, you can no longer imagine tomorrow. If you can't imagine tomorrow, tomorrow may not come. And so from an esoteric standpoint, I'll just put that out there, that that is, you know, a possibility, a possible explanation for why those beings um, um, terminated their time on, on the planet and, and we didn't. So now we need to ask ourselves that same question as well. Mm-hmm, Do we have mm-hmm. the ability to imagine a future for uh-huh. ourselves so that we can go forward in that way? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. And to keep it positive and to know that another cycle will start. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, some, most of the time I'm positive about it and sometimes, you know, I'll read one too many reports or news cycles about other ways that we find to mm-hmm. I don't know, exterminate mm-hmm. each other or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for yeah. for a yeah. few hours here, you know, I will admit to feeling, you know, hopeless a few, a few hours at a time. And then, you know, I do, I have to go out and renew myself. I need to turn off all of those things for a few hours or a few days sometimes and just remove myself completely from that in order to in order to restore that sense of hope and and faith and and deliberateness that maybe you sense from me now um because i talk to a lot of people that don't feel that way and i really want to uh, acknowledge them. I don't want to, you know, be on this show with you and tell you how wonderful everything is all, mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. of the time. And why can't we just do this or that? Because it's not like that. Even, even for the best of us, it's not like that all the time. Even for people that you would consider um, enlightened, and I really don't like that term at all. I kind of like the term enlivened these days a little bit more. But even those that we consider you know, very highly evolved spiritually or something. I have talked to these people. I have been with them. They don't have it all, all the time. And uh, I think the best ones are willing to admit it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they say that we are closer to midnight on the doomsday clock, so. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> 
you know, there, you know, so when you're looking at that, it's like, oh, you know, I'm like, okay. It's hard when yeah. you call it a doomsday clock not to go into the depression yeah. or like, mm, okay, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. So I do. I so I try now that I now that I love that you know that one myth so much. I try and say, well, it's time for the old lady to you know gather up her beads and shells and threads and think of a new pattern or something. You know, she'll be done stirring. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. She'll head back to her her loom and start weaving again. <laughs> about what's happening on the earth right now, like you said, can get really depressing, you know, can sound really dark. And um, I don't want to put out information that's like, oh, okay, well, there's, you know, all these volcanoes went off today and there's more earthquakes and, you know, there's floods over here and there's fires over here and this happened there. And so what can we do? And so, um, so next week, on our show, Jane Reading, who's been on the show before, who uh, has her own water transformation site and works with water, uh, and I will co-host our first Loving the Earth Day, and we're going to do that once a month, and um, so it's a show to get together and to share some empowering information with all of you out there and to bring in some positive uh, changes, whatever we can do. You know, those stories that you shared, Pepper, about creating that app where we can, you know, share our, our surplus with each other. Um, mm-hmm. Things that we mm-hmm. can do in that way, things that we can do maybe a little bit more esoterically, but things that will bring us together and that will give us some sort of hope and empowerment. So so that will be our next show. Thank you so much again, Pepper, for coming on. And once again, Pepper's website is PepperKeenLewis.com. And so much love to all of you out there. And thank you so much for tuning in today. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Take care, everyone. Love the earth. Please take care.